0: Hey everyone, my name is Al Gugliata and I want to welcome you to the Unlearning Project. This is my attempt to break down the origins of our thoughts, our attitudes, our behaviors, our biases, most of which have been imposed upon us by our upbringing. My main goal in this entire podcast is is to pivot from a place of self-judgment that we're all too familiar with to a place of self-curiosity. Thanks for joining. Let's dive right in. Welcome to The Unlearning Project. This week, we're talking about the art of reframing. And my name is Al Gugliotta. I'm here with my co-host, Virginia Elder. Hi, Virginia.
1: Hey, how are you?
0: Doing well reframing. You hear that phrase so often mm-hmm. in reading and just thinking negative thoughts, just reframe it to positive. <laughs> it does get a little bit of that Tony Robbins positive thinking, mm-hmm. just squash your negative feelings and turn them into positive and mm. turn that frown upside down. You know? <laughs> <laughs> but I don't think it's like that. That's, uh, that's like the cheesy way. Yeah.
1: I think there's some validity there because... Just take emotions as an example. Mm -hmm. You and I have talked about, we've probably viewed our emotions as a negative, as something to be squashed, something to be shushed and kept inside for your childhood or maybe the large portion of the first half of your life. But then as adults, we're hopefully able to see that, you know what, my emotions are my connection and those are my truth and very real to me in the moment and that's what I'm feeling and they're my strength because they are able to lead me to make a good decision sometimes. But it's it, that's reframing.
0: That is reframing. This works in so many different contexts. It's not the denial that you have a challenging circumstance. it's just looking at it. For instance, anxiety is a huge one when people have anxiety their mind spins with or spirals into Mm. thoughts of what's wrong with me? Mm -hmm. Why am I doing this? Why aren't other people feeling this way? There's something wrong with me. There's a flaw. There's some flaw in me. That's why I'm feeling anxious. And if I was a stronger person, I wouldn't feel anxious. And and so I'm weak. Really, it goes down that path. Yeah. And the reframe on that could be, well, I'm a sensitive person and that's helpful to a lot of people. Mm -hmm. And I get anxious because I feel other people's Troubles, or I feel things more right intensely. I'm more sensitive, that's could be a positive. And as a guy, I never thought that was a positive, that was always a weakness,
1: right? And then you suck it up, man, be tough, right? It's
0: not that you're (laughs) and it's not that you're never gonna feel these aren't easy things to do, and it doesn't happen because you do it once, Mm -hmm. like where you're feeling I'm feeling anxious, I'm like. Nope, that's a that's a positive. You feel great and this is going to be helpful to people.
1: Right. It's not that easy and it does take focus on flipping that and reframing it. And I like that you highlighted that it's not just that you're not having a challenge. It's not to ignore that or squash that challenge that's actually happening. You recognize the challenge, you lean into it, and you try to see the silver lining in your experience of that challenge. Yes. So you lost your job. That sucks. Yeah. Maybe there's an opportunity to start your own business that you always want to do. Yeah. Or there's always... And that's a cliche one. That's everybody.
0: But eventually you can get to that point. But to think that the day you lost your job, you're automatically going to reframe and say, oh, this is oh this is God. a positive. It takes time, oh. right? You have to wrap your head around it. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to take time. Anybody can change in a split second. It's not easy to do.
1: Right. With practice, that's the recovery that we mentioned last episode. With practice, I think you could recover quickly and yeah. reframe quickly. Yes. But there again, I think... You have to have practiced this ability to find the silver lining, the ability to approach it with curiosity instead of judging yourself. We've had an episode like that, judgment over curiosity.
0: Yeah. Being curious as opposed to judgmental. Yeah. No, you had it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I was like, wait, which one was it? That's a big piece of it is not blaming yourself or focusing on that negative or Yes, sometimes you do need to go down that rabbit hole and just feel the feelings and be sad and cry and do whatever you got to do for a day or two or whatever you need to process the emotions. Yeah. But then there is a point where it's like, okay, let me try to see the positives. How can I reframe this? How is this weakness actually a strength or how is this going to propel me to do better next time?
0: I read a passage about reframing where it said, if you could get into the habit of just reframing experiences, you're less likely to be possessed by ongoing moods of pessimism, hopelessness, or resentment. Hmm. Possessed by these moods. Because that's what happens. You get hmm. almost like it takes over you. Like you lose your job. You're just like, wow, that's a tough experience. And it just, it's so gut-wrenching. Every time you think about that you lost your job and you think about, mm-hmm. I wasn't good enough or now what am I going to do and how am I going to support my family? And, and you're just constantly in that whirlwinds. Mm-hmm. By reframing, you're getting out of that possession state because you're looking at something different. You're changing mm-hmm. literally the focus on one thing and moving it. Right. Again, not easy to do.
1: No, no. But I think that's something for us all to try to practice just in small ways throughout our day. And hopefully when something big happens, yeah. we're able to reframe it.
0: <laughs> yeah. Reminding ourselves that thoughts aren't facts. Thoughts are not facts. Oh yeah. You know, and then we talked about identifying extreme language, the always and never and oh
1: yeah. I don't
0: know. I wasn't a good employee and I wasn't this and I wasn't I'm always this way and I'm never getting anything right. I'm never right. As soon as you start rewording a lot of that extreme language, that helps.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, and that's big, I think, in any relationship, especially when you think about a spouse. I was using the example earlier, we were laughing about you never do the dishes. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, right. Well, I've done them once in the past year. You can't say never.
0: <laughs> yeah. I think it's when you get anxiety, anger. Once that builds up, your language changes. Like in that angry state.
1: Yeah. You tend to use that definitive language mm-hmm. comes up. Yeah, because
0: mm-hmm. you're not in a calm, cool, and collected space. You're just right. You want to spit a little venom. <laughs> you always do this. Why are you always like this? Yeah. You never do this. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, I want to go back to that thoughts aren't facts for a second. You mentioned that, but we yes. jumped forward really quickly.
0: Yeah. Let's focus on that because that's a huge one. Yes. That's a reoccurring theme in my entire life. Thoughts aren't facts. Mm-hmm. Like, you start to realize that the things that go through your head... Sam Harris, I always bring up Sam Harris. I love the way he talks about this stuff. But he talks about, you are not the author of your thoughts. Mm. We think we are, or we think we can be. Mm -hmm. You can try to be disciplined in the sense that you're going to try to push away negative thoughts and just bring in positive thoughts. And you're going to have repetitive thoughts. Or you're going to read a card that's going to help you pick the thoughts that you want. Mm -hmm. But when it comes down to it, you don't know the words you're going to say next. You don't know the words I'm going to say next. You're going to interpret them in a different way. It's just, where is it coming from?
1: Mm
0: -hmm. We think we have almost this free will to think whatever we want to think. And that's not necessarily true. Mm -hmm. And you can think of it on these like weird outliers. Like you're on the road, you're driving, and you just have this thought that crosses your mind. Like, if I just turn the wheel a little bit to the left, I could just run into that bridge. I could. (laughs) It can happen. And then you think to yourself like, no, obviously you wouldn't do that. You could have that thought. Right. And so I think when people have crazy thoughts, they start to think something's wrong with them. Mm-hmm. If you have an, a tough time in your life and you jump in your car and you're like, I hate my job and I hate my life and I'm just going to keep driving. Yeah. I'm not going to go back. You have the thought. Yeah, doesn't mean you're going to do things. Thoughts are not facts. Thoughts are not things that you have to act on. Mm-hmm. When you start thinking of it that way, then you start to realize in any moment, whatever you're thinking... The reframe on is that's not a fact. Yeah. That's just a thought. It's a fleeting thought. It's a cloud going across the sky.
1: Yeah. There's a life coach that I follow that this is her thing that she harps on, just that thoughts are not facts. Okay. And she really likes to focus on relationships. And the piece that really stuck with me is, you have a thought about your partner and you say, oh, well, they don't support me. Mm Mm-hmm. Or it could be anything like, oh, well, they don't want to watch this show with me. They don't want to spend time with me. You're fabricating the worst possible negative thing. Yeah. Assuming that that is really how that person feels. Right. When that's just you creating that thought. Yep. It's not a fact. Right. If you asked that person if they actually felt that way, they'd probably be like, no, that's totally not what was going on. Right. Right the other thing was that those kind of thoughts in a relationship tend to become a loop Mm -hmm. that he doesn't care. And then meanwhile, he's thinking she doesn't
0: care. Mm, It's like reinforcing.
1: Yes. And so they're both pulling away. He doesn't care. She doesn't care. Well, he doesn't care about this. Well, she doesn't care about that. And because of this action, that means she doesn't care. You're implying these meanings to different random situations. Yeah. Where, There is no actual meaning. Maybe it was just a mistake that the person didn't clear the table after they ate their food. That doesn't mean that they don't appreciate your cooking. Right. But if you're going to take it that way and you're going to have this thought, that's not a fact. Yeah. That wasn't at all that person's intention. So some of this, I've heard it through this relationship-focused lens. Mm -hmm. And for us, that was valuable. It really helped. And it really made me think about Yes, our language and our relationship, but also what some things mean with the kids or with friends or with podcasters or with, you know, just Mm -hmm. in all areas. Where else does the same thought apply where you might be assigning judgment or reasons or results to a thought that you're having that you don't know is true?
0: Well, what if you took some inventory in that moment of where you're at? Like, why do you think you're thinking that?
1: Exactly.
0: Maybe it's because you're feeling insecure about the job or whatever. or You had some weird interaction and now you just feel insecure in a general sense. Yes. So then you're bringing up the, oh, well, now he just turned away and didn't put his plate away and didn't do this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Again, that goes back to a really good reframe of thinking of where you're at if you're having certain thoughts and that's spiraling down a path where you're now starting to believe that your spouse is turning away from you or that your spouse is pissed off. Right. If you step back and said, what am I feeling? Where's this coming from? Usually you could figure that out. Mm -hmm. Whatever it is, anxious. I'm feeling overwhelmed. I'm feeling insecure. I'm feeling... A multitude of different things that is getting you to believe things that are not true. Right. You're just creating this. Out of thin air, you're creating something. But it's coming from you. It's not coming from Mm -hmm. the outward circumstance.
1: Well, and there's some assumption going on there, which we've had episodes about that.
0: Assumptions, yeah. (laughs) Because
1: you're literally assigning a result to a belief that they feel a certain way. Yeah. You don't know if they feel that way. They didn't tell you they felt that way. It goes back to remember when you could design a beautiful evening for a date and you could book the restaurant and you could plan all this cool stuff out and you go out on a date. Yep. And maybe it seems like the other person isn't really... Enjoying it, Mm. and you worked so hard and you spent all this money, or whatever it was. Yeah, I feel like we've all been there, and maybe it's not that the person didn't enjoy it or didn't appreciate your effort, but maybe they just were surprised, or maybe that seemed almost out of their league or out of the realm of what they expected on a date, or maybe they'd been there before.
0: Yeah, you had a preconceived notion, you had an expectation of the way that person should have reacted. And anything from that is going to be less than...
1: Yeah, you could just use any example.
0: This goes into the common negative thoughts. There's a list of them that I brought up. It's basically what we're talking about right now. All or nothing thinking, like everything is just black and white categories. Or overgeneralization, where one single negative event, you're just thinking now it's a never-ending pattern because one thing happens. Right. Your spouse rolled their eyes and now your spouse doesn't want to be with you. <laughs> you know? I don't know, something crazy. like Yeah,
1: it just magnifies.
0: Yeah, and then they said mental filtering. They say like a single negative detail of a situation, you just intensely dwell on that. Mm. I don't know why I keep bringing up rolling of the eyes, but maybe it's because people do it to me. I don't know. <laughs> My kids do. They're like, oh God, he's saying <laughs> that again. That'll happen like in an instant, but I could be with them for two hours, but I'll focus on the one instant when they roll their eyes. It's like, why do we do that? Why do we focus on that one moment of quote mm. unquote negativity and then just make that be what the whole interaction was about? It wasn't.
1: Right. Mm.
0: You know, maybe in that same interaction, they smiled or laughed or did, we didn't focus on that though.
1: Right. Isn't it weird how the negative pieces tend to stick out to us, Yeah. whether it be in a conversation or like you said, a two hour time block, rolling your eyes takes one second, (laughs) but we're focused on that.
0: Well, they say our our minds are like Velcro for the negative and Teflon for the positive. You ever hear that? (laughs) Oh,
1: I haven't heard that one.
0: (laughs) Yeah. All those positives bounce right off you. It slides right off the pan.
1: I think that's why it's such a job for us that we have to focus on the positives. It's like, do your gratitude journal. Do your affirmations each morning to affirm that you're you know, worthy and, and all of this. It's all this work to maintain positive beliefs. Yeah. I think that's why.
0: It is. You got to keep reminding yourself. Just as we're having this conversation, we can now go into another situation that's fresh in our head. Mm-hmm. So I could realize that right now, if I walked upstairs and one of the kids rolled their eyes, I'd be like, oh, I just talked about this. Not a big deal. All right. Roll their eyes. Yeah. But then a week later, I forgot about what we just talked about. And then you're back into that loop. Yeah. So I think like you said, the affirmations, journaling, it's just a reminding of ourselves. Mm-hmm. Again, I always say the stupid line if you had an index card... And you just listed, I don't know, five or 10 things to live by and just looked at it every day. This is what I'm going to do. I'm not going to take things personally, the golden rule, whatever, whatever top five to 10 mm-hmm. values that you believe that you should live by. Mm-hmm. That's a great practice. If you looked at it three times a day, every day, right? I think that could change the trajectory of your life because you forget these things in the moment you forget them. Mm-hmm. If you go days without thinking about them, you forget them. And you get lost. You get that possession of the negative thought. You're possessed by it.
1: So that's why it's so important to have the vision boards and the whiteboard where you write your goals and the journal and yeah. whatever tools you use to write your goals out. Because that's the problem is we will get all into it and we'll write them and yeah. we'll be all pumped. And two weeks later, I'm tired of running. I want some ice cream. And yeah, <laughs> you're just falling apart because you maybe you didn't forget the goals, but you forgot the premise and the motivation and all. We have to have a way to remind ourselves.
0: Yeah. It wasn't in the forefront of your mind. Mm-hmm. The only way it's in the forefront of your mind is for continuing to practice it, yeah. to keep it in front of you. Mm-hmm. Otherwise your mind wanders. Your mind wanders onto a million different things. There's so much stimulus right. being thrown at you on a daily basis that you don't think about this. Oh, am I have a having an all or nothing thought right now? Am I? You don't know, start thinking in these contexts where. Yeah. I read these things. I'm like, yep, I do that. Yep, I do that. Oh, catastrophizing. Yep, I definitely mm-hmm. catastrophize things. Yep, good at that. Yeah, you magnify <laughs> things. The should statements. Oh my god, right? I should mm, be
1: the should shouldn't shouldn't. There's a book I just bought. It's called "Don't Should on Your Kids." Don't should. Your-
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so I'm assuming it's along these lines because yeah. that's that's just something we all say. Oh, you should do this or you should do that. Mm-hmm. I am aware to replace that word, yeah. but I need some guidance around how to consistently do that. Like what I should be saying instead. See, I just said it. What I should what be I saying. What I should be saying. I, what's yeah. the replacement word for that? I don't know. I got to read the damn yeah. book.
0: But <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What I should be saying. Yeah shoulds musts
1: Mm -hmm. need to
0: yeah i have to pick up my kids Mm -hmm. instead of like i get to pick up my kids or i'm going to pick up my kids yeah i have to pick up my kids i have to go to work right those things are crazy yeah and then the reframing of big experiences like a death in the family this definitely reframes on a lot of these things
1: and some of those big events are
0: tough yeah and they take time to work through Mm -hmm. but obviously a You could have two different people going through the same experience. So one looks at a death in the family. They had a great life. I'm happy that I got to spend the last few years with so-and-so person. If you believe in religion, they're in a better place. Whatever you want to think about that. I learned a lot from that person. I'll have great memories of them. Yeah. That opposed to it's such a devastating loss. I'll never get over this. Right. It's, It's terrible. I'll never mentally recover. I'm going to be in a depression for the next five years. Mm. As a whole or opposite. But
1: even as you're just saying that, I could feel like both pulled this way for when you're <laughs> talking about, I had great memories of this person and all that. And then I could feel literally <laughs> pulled the other way. Yeah. Just as you're talking about it.
0: Yeah. I think when we talk about these subjects, I think we automatically sound like, it's one way or another. It's like you're either reframing or you're mm-hmm. thinking negative. I think it's very gray. It's very messy. It takes time and practice. Mm-hmm. I don't think I'm an expert at this, but I think I've learned in my life that it's got to be an automatic instinct to reframe. When things negatively happen to me, it's not that I'm always perfectly reframing everything, but I think my initial reaction is reframe that. Right. Quickly. Like there's the problem and then, all right, there's no use dwelling on it. Let's get to trying to fix it or the solution. Or you have a flat tire, you could sit there and freaking bang on your steering wheel and <laughs> yell at the freaking you know, sky and be like, why the fuck is this happening to me? Right. Or you could get out of the car and start changing the freaking tire. Again, not perfect.
1: No, but I think you brought up an interesting point problem oriented thinking versus solution oriented thinking. Uh So the problem-oriented thinking is, I got this flat tire, this sucks, I'm going to be late, I'm pissed, I'm going to yell at things and it's ruining my whole day. And you're just very focused in on the problem and all the problems results. If possible to reframe, if you can say, okay, and it's not exactly reframing because reframing would be what are the positives that could come out of this? Mm -hmm. But if you can lean toward finding a few potential solutions to this problem, you're going to be able to train yourself toward reframing. So you got the flat tire. All right, I'm pissed. And what are three potential solutions? I can get out and change it myself. I can call somebody. Yeah. I don't know. It might be hard to come up with the third, but that's the whole point of trying to come up with three right. is because you're really making yourself focus on attempting to come up with three potential solutions and then pick the best one. Right. Right. Once you can typically solve a problem or at least take a step towards solving it, you're able to say, This is okay. That meeting was going to suck anyways. I don't need to be there. I was just trying to be there to support so and so. I'll give them a call. We'll have lunch together. You know what? I mean? You can shift it and, yeah. and say, You know what? I was in a panic all morning and this just made me stop. Yeah, I didn't want the flat tire, but right. I need to calm down and approach the rest of my day a little cooler, a little calmer. Yeah. And so that's where the reframing comes in. Yeah. Problem-focused thinking, solutions-oriented thinking, and then the reframing.
0: I think, yeah, and the older you get, the more you start to realize that your attention on the problem is not doing you any good. Once you realize that it's there, to continue to focus on it and think of how bad a situation that you're in does you no good. It just right. causes more suffering. The reframe is just turn the other way. Let's figure out a path out of here. Right. These become really tough topics in a couple of different ways. When you think about bad habits, those are hard to reframe because I always talk about food or you can talk about smoking or drinking, whatever it is. And you tell yourself you're not gonna eat something, right? And right. Or you're gonna be on this diet, and then you cheat on the diet mm-hmm. because you have a moment of weakness, and then the next day you wake up and you just feel terrible about it, and you keep thinking about how you ate that ice cream last mm-hmm. night, and now you feel a little pudgy. But instead, the reframe on that would be like, I ate the ice cream, it's over. There's nothing I can do yeah, about it's it. Done. It's so done. Yeah. Wayne Dyer talks about the past. He's like, You realize a second ago is just as much the past as a Peloponnesian war. <laughs> you know, you can think about the birth of Jesus. And five minutes ago, they're both just as much the past. True. When you think of it in that context, there's nothing you could do about what happened a minute ago. No. It happens. Mm -hmm. Already done. Again, it's not a perfect science, but I think if you can get into a default mindset of whenever shit happens, realize that it's already, it's almost being accepting of what's happening. Right. The reality of the moment is I got the flat tire. The reality of the moment is I ate the damn ice cream. It's over. But again, all the suffering comes from the reliving of that thing that you can't take back or that you can't change the past. Mm -hmm. The reframe is always looking forward.
1: Right. It's like you said, that dwelling and that reliving of whatever moment, Mm -hmm. maybe you're viewing it again. Thoughts are not facts. You're viewing it as a negative moment. Weakness. Right. (laughs) Right. But dwelling on that and just staying in that, how long are you going to sit there and mope over eating a cookie or some ice cream or whatever the problem is, whatever reason you're feeling bad, how long are you going to sit there and feel bad about whatever happened? Yeah. There is value to, like I've mentioned earlier, feeling the feelings, being upset, processing that. You don't want to not process those negative feelings. You do need some time with them. Right. But as soon as you're ready... Time to reframe and time to say, Yeah. All right, cool. Add some ice cream. That was freaking delicious. Yeah. I'll. Do it next month.
0: (laughs) And I I don't always do that, right? Right,
1: right. I don't.
0: Because then you start going down that path. I'm weak. I'm always weak. Why do I always do this to myself? I sabotage my diet every time. Mm. I told myself I wasn't going to drink last night. And then I drank. I smoked a cigarette when I... It's the storyline. It's not even the act. The act just happens. It's the stories you tell yourself about yourself Mm -hmm. after the fact that you're just beat yourself up and you suffer. Yes. And that's the other thing is like when you suffer in that manner, I think a lot of times the reasons you continue to do bad habits is because you feel bad about the habit itself. They talk about this with alcohol. I read this once. I thought it hit home. Right. It was this idea that the biggest predictor of if you're going to drink today Mm. is if you drank yesterday.
1: Oh my goodness.
0: Because you're now, you drank yesterday, you feel bad about it. And then that's the biggest predictor of drinking the next day. If you didn't drink mm-hmm. one day, I was like, that sounds counterintuitive because why? But it's, it made sense. I thought, well, what's the biggest predictor? You messed up on your diet, you feel like crap all day, you beat yourself up all day. What's going to soothe that feeling at the end of the day? Some more food, Mm. right? Mm.
1: Yeah. And I feel like there's definitely some mental stuff going on there beyond this podcast. Like, why are you dieting? Why isn't it just a lifestyle change? There's just so many other Mm. pieces to that. Yeah, A friend brought this up to me recently, like in the word diet is the word die? die. How crazy is that? But when you look at the word health, heal is in that word. Mm. Isn't that amazing?
0: That's a reframe. (laughs) Whoa.
1: Yeah. Use the food example. Okay. Yeah. When you're like, you want to say, okay, I want to diet. We need to reframe and reword that and say, I'm focused on living a healthier lifestyle. Yeah. And I'm focused on maybe instead of not eating these things, I'm focused on Eating, eating these other things. Good things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just having that level of reframe of saying, I'm trying to be healthy instead of I'm dieting. Dieting just has this negative connotation right. to it. Unless you're talking about this is my overall diet of everything that I eat. And it's not used in the restrictive sense.
0: I agree with you. That's why there's an industry that will never go away, mm-hmm. giant industry on dieting. People will be on diets, on and off diets their entire lives. You know, until you change your lifestyles. For me, I don't ever think of... Right. I talk about diet as just what I eat. Mm-hmm. And I will do short-term things to adjust. Mm-hmm. Like if I want to try to get leaner, I'll eat less carbs. Mm-hmm. Or I don't have the strict diet or I'm not going to get on the keto or the Mediterranean diet. And oh, I'm trying this different... Oh, I'm going to do cayenne pepper and... Maple syrup I hear these weird <laughs> people drinking maple syrup and cayenne pepper I'm like, What? <laughs> how long is that gonna what last
1: something with lemon and
0: lemon yeah
1: yeah I've heard all these crazy things and you got
0: the fasting and the cleansing and the this and the and it's the supplements and yeah it's just it goes down such a and again where does this all come from it's all mm-hmm. just some thought process
1: right for some reason you think that you need that lifestyle change and you're gonna label it a certain way. But sometimes it's important to dig deeper and say, well, why do I right. think I want that lifestyle change? Do I actually want to lose weight? And why do I want to lose weight? Do I actually want maybe just to feel that I have more energy during the day or like you have to right. dig down? Okay. Yeah. You want more energy during the day, but why? Because you want to be active with your kids. Okay, cool. And maybe it ends there, but maybe there's something even underneath that. Maybe it's because, yeah. well, my mom wasn't active with me, so I really want to be that different person with my kids, there's always something deeper. And so if you can ask yourself why, 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 why seven or eight times and force yourself to come up with an answer, Mm. that's really going to get to the bottom (laughs) of it. And then you can start to build. And we got on this whole lifestyle diet topic, but you can do that with anything, any change you want to make, any problem that you're facing to try to tilt towards the solutions to reframe it. These are all related techniques to help you have a bigger picture and think about it in a big overarching lifestyle perspective.
0: And I think whatever gets you to the goal, sometimes it doesn't have to be these completely... I don't know, super moral reasons for doing things. I just, I want to do this from the health of my heart and yeah. the health of my body. Maybe you just want to do it out of vanity. Yeah. I want to look good. I want to look better.
1: Yeah, i be proud of my like six pack. Like whatever. Yeah, exa-
0: right. So whatever gets you to do the activity that you want to do, I think that's okay too in, in a lot of different contexts. Like if you want to be a good parent, it doesn't have to just be that, I'm going to be the perfect person for my kids. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's, I want them to be successful in life. Yes. And I want them to be strong. And I'm going to do it when I don't feel like doing it. Right. I remember somebody once asked me, they were asking me like, why do you work out? How do you stay in shape like you do? And why do you... And it was a couple of friends asking me. I'm like, you want an honest answer? I don't do this for 100% health purposes. I I do it a lot out of vanity. Mm-hmm. I feel like crap if I'm not in shape. So I'm like, I want to feel good about myself. So again, if you want to, we could spin it that, yeah, I do want to be healthy too. Right. But if the motivator that's really getting your ass off the couch is that it's vanity, I'm like, that's okay too. Yeah. I think so.
1: Yeah. I want to be comfortable and happy with what I look like. Fit into
0: my jeans. Yeah. yeah. Like,
1: I don't want to look in the mirror and be like, oh.
0: <laughs> right. <Okay. laughs>
1: grossed out. I want to be like all right. There's a different level of like damn, I look good versus I'm disgusted versus hey, we're doing okay here. I'm proud of this. Right. You yeah. Know?
0: See th- th- this is this is where it gets a little yeah, it gets murky in this area because <laughs> you want to do it. You want to be okay with yourself and your appearance at all times. But Right.
1: We need that self-acceptance. Yeah.
0: Where does that go? That's, what, mm-hmm. that's a weird reframe for me because especially with plus-size women now is a big thing. Mm-hmm. And they're in more advertisements for commercials and underwear and all that. Mm-hmm. It's like just the accepting of your body. I'm like, I get it. I believe that too. Mm-hmm. Whatever shape you are and you're happy with that. Have at it. Right. Good for you. Who am I to say? I
1: think that's where that is going is because there are a lot of people that maybe they're a little bit heavier, but they are in not any way obese, right. but they're still with all the images and stuff that's out there, you're still almost made to feel bad for yourself or about yourself.
0: Right. They're not morbidly obese and unhealthy.
1: Right. But you're just like, well, you the know, bigger. I'm a little bigger, but I like my body. I'm fine.
0: And I feel good. Right. I think
1: that's where that's going is so that we all don't think that we have to be stick skinny with a six pack. Right, Because that takes it to the other end where you end up with eating disorders and really unhealthy and a negative body image. Yeah. It's interesting.
0: It's so funny because every time we talk about these topics, I always think back to that question you asked, Al, give me a solid method of how do you (laughs) Yeah,
1: what are the tactics here, man? Yeah, give me
0: a step-by-step playbook of how do you get from here to here? Right. That's why you have millions and millions of books about diets and millions of books about every subject. It's because it's hard to give people answers to anything. Right. Because we're all different. We all have different ways of interpreting things. Yeah.
1: And it's all circumstantial. And yeah. your ability to reframe or come up with solutions might largely be based on your past experiences. Yeah. The mine are different than yours. Right. The listeners are different than ours. So...
0: Yeah. And it's it's easy yeah. to generalize just to say, everybody should journal and everybody should do this. And everybody should have a vision board and everybody should have... No, you don't have to do all those things. They've been helpful for a lot of people. Maybe one of them will Mm -hmm. work for you, but maybe they won't. Maybe that's not your thing. Right. So when you tell people what's the step-by-step, it's everything you got to figure out on your own.
1: Mm -hmm. Try it. See what you think about it. See if you feel that it's working or if it's a waste of time. Yeah. If you feel good or if it makes you feel bad about yourself, make an adjustment.
0: Yeah. And I think that the reason for bringing up the topic of reframing is just the idea that You just want to know what's going through your head and try to figure out why you're thinking what you're thinking about or why you're reacting the way you're reacting. And then try to find better ways that it's going to help you and serve you to be a more positive person, to be a happier, more content person. And you're not going to know those things if you're reactive. You need to figure out what's happening. What are the patterns in your brain? And try to figure out which ones are not serving you. And then reframing to me is one of the perfect ways of turning something, just turning your focus. Mm-hmm. You're focusing on one thing and you could be, again, in that possession state and then just turning and now a whole different world opens up. And that whole thing is now, that's another thing, creating things grander than they are and shrinking them down. You could have this problem, it could be this giant problem. You could also shrink it down and put it in the background. Right. And focus on everything else out there.
1: I think you summed it up perfectly. One of the issues that we've talked about before say you set a financial savings goal, and you're like, "Oh, maybe that's not enough. Maybe I got to do more. Maybe I got to do more. Mm -hmm. But guess what? People who have multiple millions of dollars...
0: Don't think they have enough.
1: Don't think they have. Yes. (laughs) And so when you realize that, oh, okay, I'm fine.
0: Yeah. Hedonic treadmill, right? You're just on that endless treadmill. Mm -hmm. And that's the scary part because you get in... People could go twenty years saving, 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 doing whatever they can, sacrificing everything so that they hit some number that right. whatever we were saying, if you retired on two million dollars yeah. and they hit the two million, they're like, Where's the ticker tape parade? And where <laughs> is my sense of comfort? And now I feel like I have it all figured. Instead, the majority of people will think I need three million, yes. I need four million. And then when they hit four million, I need five million. Mm-hmm. It was a Wayne Dyer thing. Where he was talking to one of his patients that saved the 15,000. Yes I'm gonna feel great after I save 15,000 a year. Right. next year comes, they save 15,000. How do you feel? Mm-mm. Well, once once I get to 30, then I'll feel secure and it never ends and never ends. So it's like you have to be comfortable in the insecurity. The insecurity won't mm-hmm. go away. Mm-hmm. but again insecurity is a thought process. So if you know the thoughts
1: yes that are
0: creating the insecurity so I know the thoughts that I don't have enough money, And if I hit this number, then I'll be secure. I know that thought's false.
1: Right. That thought is not the truth.
0: No, it really isn't. But unless you know that, then you're just blindsided. You finally get to your goal. You don't feel any accomplishment. Mm -hmm. And then you just reset the goal. And then you're just completely on the treadmill. Mm
1: -hmm. And you brought up a, a hidden point in there that with all of this thought work, personal development, psychology, all this stuff, There's not, like you said, the red tape you get to run through and your parade and (laughs) this moment of grandeur that you've won in life. Yeah. That never is going to (laughs) happen. To realize, oh, when I reach these goals, maybe I lose my pounds and I save my money and I do this and I do that. And I reach all these goals, these huge life goals ain't nobody throwing me a party. Okay. Right. Just be proud of yourself. Throw
0: your own party. Right.
1: Yeah. When you get there and just realize that this is always an ongoing process for all of us.
0: Yeah. We talked about that a lot about the thinking you're going to finally ends in this Mm. ultimate feeling of coddled, warm security. Yeah. and Like that feeling doesn't come because we're human beings and (laughs) life's precarious. (laughs) It's, We try to keep in the back of our minds, like everybody's, not to get all morbid, the fear of death. Everybody has the fear of death in the back of their minds because we're all mortal. Everybody yeah. dies, just like you're born. Nobody's just scared of being born, but everybody's scared of dying. So that's always in the back of your mind. Time's running out, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. So all of these goals are just things to distract you. Yeah. When you hit them, yeah, I, I think it is important to try to take a victory lap mm-hmm. because there's no point in setting these goals right. unless... There's some reward. What's the point of a goal without a reward? Yeah. It's just arbitrary. It's just, I'm just doing things to do them with no sense of meaning behind it. So I think have that vacation at the end of a goal or have that...
1: Have that celebration moment, for sure, before you turn around and reset new goals.
0: That's difficult too, because you don't want to give yourself, oh, well, no, I got to keep going. I can't celebrate now.
1: I saved 15, but if I spend two grand on a sweet vacation, then I'm down to 20.
0: (laughs) Oh God, I know that happens. Yeah, totally. (laughs) Yeah, I got into the best shape of my life. Can't splurge on a piece of pizza now. Why well, would you do that?
1: Right. Celebrate. Live a little.
0: Yeah. Again, the balancing yeah. act. It's murky. It's You don't want to swing too far to either side of the pendulum. Right. You don't want to have any goals. but You don't want to have goals that are taken over your life and then you're not celebrating at the end.
1: Right. That's a, a little bit of what I've appreciated out of pieces of the FIRE movement is that yeah. at first, it was all about years ago when it was fresh. It was all about save and squander away cash and you know, live in a box and don't do anything fun yeah. and save everything so you can retire as fast as you can. Yeah. And people were burning out a few short years later because you yeah. just cannot, that's just not sustainable.
0: Right. Well, there's a handful of people that are wired that way that say that that's the way to do it. And then like the right. majority of people are like, I can't live Ugh. like that. Yeah. No,
1: going to go crazy.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: now it's shifted from what I've seen. People are really focused on, yeah, sure, save a lot, focus on retiring early, but also find things that you can enjoy and make sure you're actually living your life. Yeah. Because so what? You retired at 35. You did not live for 35 years. Like you... Lived in a box and yeah. never went out with your friends. So then you retired and now guess what? You have no friends. Like <laughs>
0: that's the per- that's the perfect example. It really is for every like the fire movement, that path, mm-hmm. the toggling back and forth between delayed gratification and enjoying your life, mm-hmm. having goals, but still trying to enjoy the moment. Mm-hmm. Just that balance. I know I, the balance is such a cliche term, but it's yeah, you can't swing too far to any one side. If you get too crazy about it, you're miserable. Yeah. If you don't do it at all, your future self's miserable. You're never getting anywhere. Yeah. The reframing process within this context is so useful because you could reframe... Like You can tell yourself, I'm depriving myself so mm-hmm. much. My life sucks. You could reframe that and just say, I'm depriving myself a little bit because I know that I'm going to have rewards at the end of this. Not doing this just to do them. Right. Just for fun. Yeah, not making sacrifices just for no reason. It's almost like you're really visualizing the end goal, mm-hmm. whether it's for finances, for health, for right. any of these things. And then rewarding yourself at the end, having some sort of celebration. Yeah. Because otherwise you're just not gonna want to do it. You're not gonna want to do any of this stuff.
1: Well, and I had mentioned this to you before, little things along the way just to keep you going. Have a piece of chocolate yeah. every
0: night. Yeah. <laughs>
1: That ain't going to hurt you. That's fine. It's one piece of chocolate. So that way you don't feel deprived because you had that treat.
0: We did just talk about this and we're polar opposite on this. I want chocolate once a month and I want to binge until I almost throw up. (laughs) (laughs) And then I won't eat chocolate for the other 30 days of the month. (laughs) I don't know. It's just me. I don't know. (laughs) It's more of an extreme.
1: And I definitely, I do have a piece of chocolate like pretty much almost every night. Like that's just what I want.
0: Well that goes back to the index we started this conversation before we even recorded mm-hmm. with the individual stocks compared to like index funds. Oh yeah. So index funds you're spreading it all out. You have that one piece of chocolate every day. Mm-hmm. Stocks are like you're just binging mm-hmm. and you're going to crash and burn and it's like intense <laughs> and it's a roller coaster ride. <laughs> <laughs> right, you get that sugar high. It's
1: funny how like our personalities really do shine through all these little habits, all these little subjects throughout the day.
0: Yeah. That's very
1: interesting. Yeah. So what are we going to focus on reframing this week?
0: Mm, that's a good question. Mm. I'm in a constant reframe of work for me. Mm. Constant reframe that I'm not doing enough. Ah. Always. It never, like I, for whatever reason, as much as I practice it, I have to do it every day. I think it's going to be a lifelong thing for me. These things from childhood are so ingrained that when I'm not working, I start welling up with this sense of, you got to get back to work. You got to get back to calling people. You got to get proactive. You got to do this. You got to do that. And it's hard to take a break. Mm. I'm in the fortunate position where I built a business that sustains me. It does well without much effort. I don't have to work eight, nine hours a day. I'm not in the building process. I need to maintain it. But I won't allow myself to. Or it's very difficult Mm. to allow. I won't. I'll never. (laughs) (laughs) So I do allow myself sometimes, but it always comes back up. And I got to be real Mm -hmm. conscious of that. Because then I'll go Mm -hmm. through the whole day, just build anxiety all day. Yeah. And then at the end of the day, just feel like crap and just be like, I could easily spend the whole day in a good mood. There's no reason. Nothing happens, mm. but I just had this sense I'm not doing enough. So the reframe for me is right. You're always doing. You're doing enough.
1: That just makes me think so much of the money thing. Like you're never going to think you have enough. Even the millionaires don't think they have enough. So yeah, that's the same thing. You you are enough. You're working enough. Right. You are sustaining it. Same sort of thing. I don't think there's a reason to stress about
0: it. Yeah. If I had to go back to corporate America, I could yeah there's unlimited options, but I'm never thinking about those options. I'm just thinking about what I can lose yeah so if I'm not working hard right now, then I might something might be taken away from me it's that insecurity thing yeah. don't take it from me. you're not thinking about the available opportunities that are out there mm-hmm. if shit hit the fan It's more of a catastrophizing yeah. I get that sense of everything's going to be taken away from me. Mm. I don't know. I'm sure many men feel that thing mm-hmm. more so than women, just from a work perspective, that's going to be taken away from me.
1: Yeah. The provider, all of those mental expectations that are put on men.
0: Yes. That's my, what's your reframe for the week?
1: <laughs> I think for me, it has to do with the whole fitness piece. Okay because I do like to run. I don't like it in the moment. I hate it in the moment. I'm like, this sucks. (laughs) It's cold and pissed. You know, mad. (laughs) Do
0: you jack yourself up on caffeine before or no? No. No, You don't do a big cup of coffee? No.
1: I know that I I don't like the cold. So, Uh but that is my exercise that when I do it, I feel good. I have more energy throughout the day. Yada, yada all the same positives that the health people say. All that's true for me. Yeah. It helps me process my thoughts. When I go to bed at night, I sleep hard. Oh, yeah. And I don't lay there and toss and turn because I actually...
0: Tired out your body. Yes. Yeah, what you need to do. And
1: so it's very good for me. But it's so hard to get my ass up and out the door. Yeah. I'm constantly having to reframe how I'm going to feel when it's done,
0: when it's over, instead of
1: how much I don't want to get up and get dressed and get on my shoes and get out the door. Yeah. So I'm trying to work that into my day more consistently, trying to figure out things that I can almost trick myself into doing little micro habits to get me out there.
0: You're in good company. I just want you to know that guy David Goggins, who's the ultra marathon runner and has run like 60 ultra marathons.
1: Oh my gosh! Navy
0: Seal, all the the whole thing. Oh my gosh! The guy that wrote that book can't hurt me.
1: Yes.
0: He tells a story about that. There's most mornings when he has to go for a run, he'll literally sit down and stare at his shoes for a half an hour, (laughs) trying to convince himself to go out for the run. (laughs) I'm like, if he's doing that, he's the hardest guy I've ever. You're in good company.
1: Yes. Yeah. Oh, so it's a yes. natural... That's what I've...
0: Easy to, to not do anything.
1: <laughs> yes. It's so much easier not to do But then you feel like shit all day and you get less you do. done and you toss and turn all night. So then you're tired the next day because you didn't sleep well. It just,
0: Consequences.
1: It goes into this cycle of doom <laughs> that I'd rather avoid.
0: It's a bad spiral. Yeah.
1: actually taking care of myself. So reframing the habits around actually getting out the door and how I feel when I'm running. Because once I'm out the door and I have my shoes on, everything is fine. Yeah, I'm so happy I get to listen to a podcast. I'm right. outside in the sunshine. I'm so happy. Yeah,
0: and you might be cold as negatives, but the positives outweigh them. The art of reframing, I don't know if it's an art.
1: I think it could be.
0: Yeah, I guess it is an art. Yeah. yeah.
1: Takes practice.
0: It takes a lot of practice. It takes a lot of awareness. Mm-hmm. It takes a lot of reminding yourself, like you said. Mm-hmm. Just to remind yourself. Well, thanks for joining us here at the Unlearning Project. Mm-hmm. And come join us uh, online. We got a whole new site up. It looks great.
1: Yay. <laughs> uh,
0: unlearningproject.org.
1: Come follow us on Instagram. It's unlearning project. And then on Facebook, it's unlearningproject
0: there also. Thanks, Virginia.
1: Thank you. That was fun conversation.
0: That, we'll see you next week.
1: Yep. See you next time.